You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at The Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds looking fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear leaves and debris with the 40-volt leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at The Home Depot and on homedepot.com. How doers get more done. We're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical bill expert, finding savings can seem impossible. Well, HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and flags errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. So start saving with knowing where to look. Visit healthlock.com today before you see another healthcare provider. That's healthlock.com. One, two, clink. Hey guys. I, I was gonna say we can't sing, but you can for me. That's Yay. offensive. But I can't sing, so I'm sorry if that like literally hurts your ears. <laughs> yeah, recently I've been singing more and more around the apartment, and I think Cindy's ready to kick me out. Yeah, um, she's in this phase where she will literally do it. She'll literally wash dishes and be like, I'm fucking incredible. <laughs> and I'll hear her from my room. She's talking to herself too, and that's the funniest part. Yeah, I'll do. I'm in this thing right now where like I complete even the most minute of tasks. And I compliment myself five times. So I don't know. Call me vain, but it's definitely a huge confidence booster. And I feel very good about myself. I'm so dead. <laughs> um, today, we have probably the most exciting episode genuinely ever. Um, we are so excited to have a match, a real life matchmaker on our podcast. And originally, when we first reached out to her, I was thinking like feather on the roof <laughs> because I was in that production. She's been singing that song <laughs> all <matchmaker>. morning. <laughs> and I was like, girl, I know that's from Broadway because you're a theater kid, but I don't really know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> but this is the real deal. Like this is real life. She has a business revolved around her matchmaking and a podcast and social media. So we are going to talk about all of that and more on this episode. And what we're going to do just to clue you guys in, this is some confidential shit. Just kidding. We're going to break it up into two mini episodes with her. So she's going to guest two episodes, 
15 minutes long each or around there. Um, and the first one we're going to do just kind of asking her about her personal life. It'll be kind of like discussion chatty style. And the second one, you guys sent in your personal questions on our Instagram for Maria, the matchmaker to for matchmaker Maria to answer. Um, and we're going to do that on the second episode. So without further ado, we are so excited to have a special guest on the podcast, Maria Abgatidis, otherwise known as Matchmaker Maria. She is CEO of Agape Match, but you probably know her from TikTok videos or iconic Instagram stories or her podcast, Ask a Matchmaker, single-handedly keeping all of our love lives together. A fellow Violet, Maria actually received her master's at New York University, which is of course the school that Cindy and I go to for undergrad, so that's pretty exciting. But the real credentials here, she has met over 10,000 people and helped set up over 4,000 first dates. We have a true expert on our hands. Thank you so much for joining us, Maria. Thank you for having me. Um, I have probably done like hundreds of interviews. Never in my life have I ever been called a violet. So that's <laughs> going to stay with me forever. Yes. I didn't even know what a violet was at first. I was like, what's that? <laughs> well, NYU has like five mascots, but yeah. they have pretty much no sports. So we're like violets, bobcats. I guess it's the, you have, yeah. like, I don't know about your listeners, but you, I had, I think most people have a relationship with their undergrad school, not their graduate school. Like I went yes. to grad school at NYU. So I was like, this doesn't matter. But <laughs> undergrad, like that's where you get attached, right? Like, you know, unless you, unless they went to UPenn, like those Warren brothers, <laughs> yes. like they will shove that in your face. They're called it Penn. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I know. Really fuck with them. You should ask them like, when you say Penn, do you mean like Penn State? Yes, every time. Or they'll say like just Wharton. I'll like, where do you go to school? Like, I go to Wharton. I was like, okay, but where is Wharton? They're like, uh-oh, you Penn. I'm like, okay, we get it. Thank you. But even as undergraduates, we have like three mascots. NYU literally cannot make up their minds. We're like Violets, Bobcats. Stern students would never. Ever, ever. It's it's ever. strictly stern. It's strictly stern. So just to jump right into questions, tell us about your origin story. I've been so curious to know because you're a fourth generation matchmaker. So other than simply following in your family's footsteps, which I know family is really important to you, of course, uh, tell us about that and what inspired and motivate you to begin matchmaking other than your family lineage. Like what inspired you to keep the tradition going? Um... Well, uh, as I mentioned before, I got my master's at NYU, and at no point did I think to myself when, you know, prescribing to a six-figure cost master's and student loans that I would be doing matchmaking, I thought I would go into the foreign service. So yes, the short story is that my grandmother and her mother and her grandmother, they're all matchmakers, but, you know, obviously what we do, what I do, and my sister also works for me, um, what we do at my company and what my grandparents did are uh, two different planets, right? So, um, you know, my, my grandparents were keeping the community together and making sure that, you know, there was not a big monopoly on the farmland where suddenly everyone was taking over. Like, you know, it's just a very different concept. And, you know, here I'm setting up, you know, strangers to go on dates with the hopes that they might get married one day. So it's very, very different way of looking at things. Um, the long story though, if we're going to quickly talk about it, is I was at NYU getting my graduate degree, um, in global affairs. I really thought I was going to go in the foreign service. In fact, I, right before I entered grad school, I was at the U S embassy in Athens working. Um, and then, you know, I've always been a connector. I've always been the person who hosted, you know, the wine and cheese parties in her big apartment, yes. uh, in undergrad. 
and um, uh, you know, the hostess with the mostest. I don't know how else to to say it, but you know, I'm also very good at correspondence, right? So I would reply back. I would send letters with like the wax thing. This was before smartphones, right? So, you know, you put in that little personal touch and it would just go a long way. And eventually, you know, when I came to New York, I, since I already had that practice, since I already knew how to make friends, since I already knew how to, you know, create a party out of nothing. Once I moved to New York, I was like, okay, if I'm going to NYU, if this is going to be worth it, I got to start making connections. I'm going to throw, I'm going to, this is when Twitter had just come out. So I created this hashtag called hashtag NYCIR, which meant New York City International Relations. And NYCIR, this was also the time when this app called Foursquare had come out where you would check into places to tell people that you were there. It was so popular. There was a point where Foursquare was more popular than Facebook, if you can't even imagine that. Wow. And so I'm at that, at that peak of Foursquare. And what was great, because it was a social discovery app, right? So you can like discover cool spots around you. Where's everyone hanging? Where is everyone hanging with a smartphone that might be interested in talking to? Because why else would you check into a restaurant, right? Um, And I, you know, I started publicizing NYCIR is going to have wine parties at, you know, the lobby of this hotel or here, you know, like I would every week, every Thursday, there would be an event. And, you know, professors would come, students from Columbia, NYU would come, diplomats would come, ambassadors had come, like, it was very short lived, it was only four months. But, you know, people were making connections, people were networking. And then suddenly, you know, kind of word got out, like, you know, in the sense like, oh, you know, if you know how to, Maria said, I'm going to introduce you here, does she know anyone romantic? Like, hey, I need help with this. And, you know, I started doing it and uh, I was pretty good at it. And then people were willing, the strangers, I didn't know, I was like, why would I help you? I don't even know you. Like, well, what if I pay you? And it's like, well, let's talk a little more. <laughs> and then that discovery over the next two years of like, what is this worth? What is my time worth? What exactly am I providing? What is my value? Um, this was like, you know, that's like a business one, you know, it's a business case study for my, for at least my company of like how we got to where we are in the first two, three years. Um, when I graduated NYU, I was already in business. Like I had a full-time business and I was part-time going to NYU for grad. And when I graduated grad school, part of me was like, I think I'm doing this more for my mom to make her feel better that I graduated grad school than because I don't think I need this. I was doing something just so different than what all of my classmates were doing. All of my classmates were working at the UN or at foreign relations or, um, you know, one of them works in Afghanistan. <laughs> like, so we're still all friends. I'm the one with the coolest job. <laughs> Absolutely. Sounds like it. <laughs> oh, I love that. So as a customer coming to you, what's the process of your matchmaking services? Do you have a routine? Is there a certain formula you use when people come to you to find a partner? So I've been doing this now for 13 years, um, almost 14 years. So, you know, you, it's kind of like when a mechanic listens to a car, just kind of drive by, they already know the issues. They don't really have to inspect the car. So sometimes that is the case with our office. We can talk to someone for two minutes and immediately know, okay, this is what's happening. We, you know, we can understand quickly what their temperament is in order to know who they could be compatible with or, you know, who have they been attracting that goes against what would be a balance for their temperament or that's part of your personality, right? So when it comes to, you know, how it works, someone would go to our company's website at coffeematch.com and they would join either as a woman or as a man. And, um, and then from there, you know, based on what's being chosen, then we would start talking about like, okay, what programs can we work with you on? So, you know, the average age of the people in our database that would like to be considered as a potential match for one of our VIP clients 
their ages range from 25 to let's say 65. And then um, for our clients, which skew heavily male, we have a really fantastic coaching program for women um, that scale, that's like between ages 25 to 55, but our matchmaking program, uh, clients are in their thirties and early forties. So at least that's what, you know, we attract in terms of clients who want to work with us. Right. That's incredible. I mean, it sounds like you guys have such a, a well-rounded, cause I actually checked out your website and it was so easy. Like I literally, I, I wanted uh, to research for the podcast. I was like, how easy is it to just like sign up for something like this? Yeah. And I literally got on the homepage, get started, and it was like, are you a female or a male? And like, here's what we can do for you. Are you a woman so or a man? Uh, yeah, I try to stay away from female and male, but yeah, and it's like hard to be non-binary um, when it's a matchmaking website. Like it's different when it's online dating where there's like enough critical mass. Like right. there's enough people, but when it's like a boutique matchmaking service, it's hard to, to play the X card. Right. Because it's like, how you know if someone calls us or contacts us like outside of the form we'll obviously you know work with them if we can of course if we have matches for them but when it's initial sign up it's like you're you know it's it's hard to find inclusivity when you're also trying to manage like the full like full potential inclusivity at the same time when you're trying to say okay well, I, I need to put you somewhere in this very traditional matchmaking place but uh Right. And that's great that you say woman and man, at least in my experience, because whenever people call me females, it's like red oh, flag number it. one, right? I'm when like, a man says female, weird. that's my first red flag. I'm like, yep, done. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so how has the changing landscape of, you know, the ever-changing idea of gender, of sexuality, of dating apps, how has that all affected your method? So much. Um, in fact, Agape Match used to own Mixology. We had acquired them. Since then, it's... Um, we now have partners that work under Mixology, but Mixology used to be the biggest LGBT matchmaking service in the country. And, um, you know, in the beginning, it was fine. You could use a lot of, this is like pre, let's say pre-Tinder. I, I say Tinder on purpose because they kind of came up with swipe culture. Yep. So pre that, um, it was a little bit different, right? Because that's such a social community that they technically don't really need matchmakers right? They either have political associations, like, you know, like not political, but like community organizations, like they have enough events. It's kind of like, why don't a lot of Greek people hire us, right? Even though I'm Greek and my company's named after the Greek word for love, Greek people are so social among their friend groups that that's how they're typically dating. They don't need necessarily meet us. So usually what happens in, in both the Greek community, I suppose, and LGBTQ community is that they would come to us because they have a problem with their schedule. Like, I can't, this is, I'm too busy. I can't be swiping. You do it. Or in many cases, the people that would hire us for the lesbian and gay portion, it was a massive privacy concern. Like for instance, you could work for a, ma a big energy company, right? That rhymes with, um, I don't know. Let's not do rhymes, but, <laughs> but think of a gas company. Okay. Yeah. And if one of the people on their executive team is lesbian or gay, um, you know, the company doesn't want to discriminate against you, but you also can't travel to certain countries that give energy like, you know, Nigeria or Saudi Arabia, because you could be put to death for being gay. So there's, you know, there's, <laughs> there's things that you kind of have to maneuver around when someone comes in. Eventually what would happen is because of swipe culture, because of, you know, this idea of like, oh, I have now a better hold of what I'm searching for that did seep into matchmaking for certain communities. I mean, it hit every community. It wasn't just 
LGBTQ or Greek or Jewish or whatever, it, it's pervasive. Like, oh, I could do search queries online. I expect the same from a matchmaker. And that's fine. We can work with that. But what ended up, ha- what would conclude to this is the rise of niche matchmakers. So for instance, if a woman who, you know, is a les- a woman who identified as lesbian came to us, um, we would send her to um, a, a, our partner who only does lesbian matchmaking. She will have the biggest database. She works really great with that community. And we want them to get into healthy relationships. I don't want to throw spaghetti at the wall and see if it works. I want to make sure that, you know, matchmaking is a massive investment. For a lot of companies, they start at $15,000. We start at 30000 So, you know, there's, there's a massive investment being put in place that you can't just you know, not, you can't just take someone and not have matches for them. Um, if someone were gay to come in again, we have a few partners that work with the gay community. We will work out like, okay, who in the gay community, uh, is the best matchmaker for this person. Um, same with, if someone was trans, same if someone was non-binary, we have matchmakers in our industry who have specifically niche community, like they expect you to send it to them. Right. So we're not, so like if you were to ask me what our niche is, it's usually for a lot of people busy New Yorkers. That's tends to what we get. And that, you know, busy New Yorkers that are in, let's say, straight for the most part. Absolutely. That you phrased that really well. I'm so happy that you guys seem I don't know so- if I phrased it well. If I phrase it wrong, because I, I sometimes I get very confused if I'm articulating these things correctly. I I, I mean no offense and you know, happy to be sent a constructive email to better communicate in the future. (laughs) No, no, no. But that's really great. I think you did articulate that extremely well. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn. Alliances will shift and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash the shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity. It's designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals to help cover unexpected expenses, plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. In other words, it's like getting a paycheck for life. We'll say that again. A paycheck for life. Guaranteed. Sounds too good to be true? It's not. It's the Parity Flex annuity, and it's one more example of their commitment to creating a better financial future for women. One where they feel empowered, not excluded, and ready to take on whatever their next chapter holds. GameBridge believes financial flexibility and security are things we all could use more of. At Retirement Income You Can't Outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at GameBridge.io. Please visit GameBridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, 
There's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. But kind of transferring to your podcast, because that's such a huge part of what you do, how did that come to be? And what was kind of like the transfer process from matchmaking to business to like making this podcast? Because it's so popular and so fun. It's a fun. Thank you for listening. It's a fun mm-hmm. podcast. Um, so, you know, do you know Instagram stories? You know, you know everyone is Instagram. Of course, of course. Yes. Okay. So um, when Instagram stories was created, I think it was like 2016, I was annoyed. I was like, are you serious? I have to learn another aspect of social media. And by the way, there was like nothing then. It was Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like, I guess LinkedIn too. Like, like Facebook and Twitter have not really changed in 10 years. So it's not, it's not a big deal. But like the idea that now something would expire in 24 hours I just didn't comprehend it. I was like, why would I post anything right. that would expire after 24 hours? Like who would, who would, you know, who does that even appeal to? Right. So I didn't participate in stories at all. And then two years later in the summer of 2018, Instagram releases this sticker called questions where people could ask questions. And, um, I put it up and I said, you know, ask me a question. And immediately people started asking, you know, dating questions because hi, I'm a matchmaker. Yes. <laughs> and, um, I was on the train, you know, com- you know, commuting, and mm-hmm. I was like, you know, what? I'll just type some really quick answers. I don't have a lot of time for this, whatever. So I answered ten questions, I think, and it was such a hit that all of my friends who were on it were like, because you know, I have a bit of a, a kind of a, I don't say, I don't have a dry sense of humor. I have like a deadpan sense of humor, I guess. Not, not in real life, by the way. In real life, I'm pretty slapstick. I suppose not slapstick. <laughs> my sense of humor is a little nuanced. I'm kind of like. Jason Bateman in Arrested Development. Um, <laughs> Good like, comparison. Socratic method, like asking questions for the joke sort of thing. But online, I think it comes off a little bit deadpanny and people are just obsessed with that. And I started, you know, answering questions really quickly. And my friends at first, you know, your friends are usually your biggest cheerleaders. They were like, you have to do this next week. So it happened to be a Wednesday. So I was like, okay, I'll do it next week. I put it in my calendar so I wouldn't forget. The following Wednesday, I do it again. I get 20 questions. I answer all the 20 questions. And I'm noticing that my friends, like suddenly my follower count is going a little up. And that's because my friends are like, oh my God, Maria answers questions. She's really funny, whatever. And the next week again, I got like 20 questions again. I answered all 20 questions. So the first like four months, I was getting 20 to 30 questions every Wednesday. And then I was featured on Girls Gotta Eat podcast in October of 2018. Wow. And that is when the first explosion happened. Like, you know, the follower count suddenly grew. Nothing crazy. It just went to like 5,000. But the questions grew from 30 a week to 200 a week. Oh, wow. And it's been consistently two to 500 a week. I would say the average is about 300 questions every single week since 2018. Um, in November, I'll do it all week and that will get, because I think people know it's all week, but I'll get a hundred questions every day. And I do it all week because I try to raise money for a charity every single day of the week of Thanksgiving, but also people need it around Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a really stressful time when people are not only singles, but even married people. Like you have to talk to your parents, you have to figure out your sibling relationship. And 
I think after having, I've answered 5,000 questions at this point on my Instagram stories. Um, I do pick the ones that have like the most shares. I'll feature them on my feed so that those don't, you know, die forever. Um, but that's where Ask a Matchmaker happened. And then the podcast, it came from lockdown. So when lockdown happened, um, I was like, okay, I can, I could tell, I needed to talk to someone. So I assumed everyone needed to talk to someone. So I immediately on March 17th, we had our first Ask a Matchmaker webinar and 500 people joined that webinar. And I think more signed up, but 500 was our, you know, max capacity on the zoom. Right. And, um, we did that for a few weeks and I happened to be super pregnant when lockdown began. And my husband at the, when we were giving, when I was giving birth, he was like, that was a Wednesday and I was doing Ask a Matchmaker Stories Wednesday, but I canceled the webinar that day. And he's like, you, you can't sustain this. You're about, we're about to have a baby. You have to start recording these things. And I was like, okay, fair enough. And that's what I did. I recorded, I started recording the podcast uh, two weeks later with a, with a newborn in my hand. Wow. What a way to start a podcast because ours came about during quarantine as well, but Definitely did not have an infant at the time. So that sounds very stressful. How did you manage to do it all at one time? It's about like motherhood growing up. I have up. a very, you know what? Look, the thing about infants is that they sleep for a lot. So the first four months was okay. It was after the four months where it's like, oh, you're awake more now. Yeah. And I'm going to, I know we were struggling to find a nanny. We couldn't find one for six months. Um, you know, I think, um, I picked a really good partner who believes in, a, you know, having a balanced partnership, an equitable partnership in our home. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we make up for the deficit deficits that we each have within our own temperaments and our overall personalities, of course. And I think that's what makes us, you know, very healthy and fun couple, but, um, we're very different from each other, but we know, you know, we know our, we've expressed our limits. Like from the beginning, when I first met my husband, you know, it was very deliberate on my end to learn as much as possible about his strengths and weaknesses. And then I, of course I would share my own. Um, like I was like on our second date, I was like, you have to read five love languages. I need to know your love language. And then I, on our second date, I was like, this is what I am. doesn't mean I'm going to end up dating him. Like I didn't know anything about him on our second date, but I'm expressing what I need to feel acknowledged. And so I said to him, if we keep dating, I need to know how to make you feel acknowledged. Um, so that, you know, we, we added these things. And I think by having that support, I was able to do things that I needed to do to, uh, to create, I think the content that my audience wanted at a time when there was just a lot of confusion in the dating world. I said, like I've set up 4,000 first dates, more than 4,000 first dates. So imagine a company that's set up more than 4,000 first dates. We have three platinum open table accounts, right? And then suddenly no more dating in person for a few months. That was like really shocking for us because it's like okay that's that's our main product now like what are we going to do and so we had to start creating content about you know best practices for zoom dating we have a whole we had all these blog posts about like download these different zoom backgrounds like i our most popular zoom backgrounds were the backgrounds of restaurants that we love we would ask we would find out who the interior designer was in new york city for some of these restaurants and then we would ask them like, Hey, can I pay you this money to have this available to my followers so they can down? So it looks like they're at a bar, not in front of their desk. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, we started kind of playing into what's going to make a good zoom date get, you know, cause we set up 300 zoom dates in 2020. Oh my God. That's crazy. 200 of which would meet in person for second dates. 
I love that. It's incredible how you guys were able to pivot so quickly during such a difficult time. Right? It was really tough. It was it was really, really tough, not just for us, for our entire industry. That was just kind of like, okay. Yes, God bless yeah. you. So to close out this portion of the episode, what is one message you want people looking for love to receive from your work? It can be a motto, a way to live by, a thought process, etc. I think I have really two great tips. No, let me think. Is it two great tips? <laughs> yeah, we did say like three top things. Is there three? But anyway, I'll do three top things. Yes. Three top things. Um, the, the best thing you can do when you're dating is adopt the mantra of an abundance mindset. So instead of saying, like, when you're getting ready for a date, like, oh, this guy, he better not ghost me, or, oh, this guy better confirm by 2 p.m., otherwise I'm canceled, which, by the way, if you're playing that game, please stop it. <laughs> if you need the confirmation, just text him. It's not a big deal. Hey, getting ready. Can't wait to see you tonight. See you at 7. Like, it's not a big deal. You can't punish people for not knowing the games that you're on. Like, they don't, they don't know the rules. Um, but anyway... Uh, but instead of having this mantra of like, oh, here we go again, I need you to adopt an abundance mindset, which is I am one person closer to my person. I get to date. I get to date and I'm one person closer to my person. That is going to change the way you go on dates. The second thing, uh, as you're getting ready for the date, please masturbate before you go on a date. Both <laughs> women, I cannot I tell that. you how beneficial that, and I'm being serious. That is such a beneficial thing. It really, you know, so much of what, especially meeting like strangers who are not for your friends, like people you've met online or at an event, it's really tough. Um, it makes, you know, it's very quickly to, you get, you can get into an interview mindset so quickly on a date and you're not really feeling yourself. Like it's just a lot of things. So I need you to literally feel yourself before you go on a date. I need you to feel good. I need you to get that boost in your confidence before you go out. So I, I, I can't recommend it enough. And the third thing that I recommend is when you're going on dates, be, be aware of what you're wearing and what, what, what that gives off. In, uh, I don't want to say like brand, I say brand perception, right? So for instance, I, I, this has nothing to do with what people think it has to do. So what I always tell people is be more aware of color and your collarbone. So body language experts have said multiple times, yeah, you know, by, by, if you put your hand on your neck like this, or if you um, are wearing a turtleneck or a scarf around your neck, it does give the perception that, you know, you need to be soothed or you're trying to create an unapproachability division subconsciously. Um, you know, you're trying to create some distance with that person. So, you know, turtlenecks for third dates on the first date, I don't, I want you to wear like a crew cut or a V-neck or whatever. And be more aware of color for all of my ladies who like to wear black on all dates. That's me. Stop it. Stop it. Blue, green, and yellow. There's for a first impression on a date. Black is not a color. It's an escape of light. Like, there's a reason. Like, there's a reason why, you know, tell me your favorite store. What's your favorite store? Zara. We said that so quickly. That's so funny that you guys said like that. Okay, let's see. Wow, uh, Zara's logo is black. All right, yes. <laughs> um, don't give me Zara. Aritzia. I think this is also black, isn't it? Don't give me brain because brain are all going to be black. That's just okay. how they are. Okay. Give me a store like Target, Walmart. Give me your bank. What's your bank? Um, Wells Fargo. Navy, Navy Federal. Federal. Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo is red, right? Yes. Um, if you look at like, if you look at Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and Chase and IBM and American Express, why do you think they're blue? 
we're going to data mine the crap out of your private information. Please trust us. Yes. Right. Oh, so wow. you have to think of, you have to think about like color on dates. It, it really does make a difference. Not only like just how other people view you, but your own boost of confidence. Wow. Yeah. As someone who is single and wears all black on every date, it's, it's all making sense now. Thank you. <laughs> and you know, for your skin tone, I, I definitely lean into the yellows and golds. Okay. Dude, no yellow. You have no idea. It makes people glow. Okay, I'm taking note of that now. I'm literally obsessed with her. If you guys didn't catch her just at the beginning of the episode, we now have a Q&A on the next mini yeah. where we submitted your questions to her. So if you submitted a question, just want to know like personal advice, goes into the next mini now. Um, you guys can follow our social media at Crying in Public Podcast on Instagram and TikTok and on YouTube at Crying in Public Podcast. We're going to start posting more on there now that season's coming to a close. So make sure you follow us, subscribe, like, all the good stuff, and we will see you guys later. Bye! Bye! From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io/ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.